0: Hello, how are you doing? So let's talk about the power of your approach. The power of you choosing the words that you think, the concepts you think, then that flows to the words that you use and then pops out in your behavior. (laughs) Be it yours, be it someone in your family, uh, your kid, your colleague at work, um, the dog, anybody, right? So um, you see the first picture that I have here, right? (laughs) This is is a cliché, cliché. So the idea, right, you've heard this from your grandma, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And believe it or not, I use this slide frequently in the workshops just, uh, I don't know, it's such a, you know, everybody gets it, right? And so whether you are um, trying to use uh, charm in your kid's art or your IEP with the LEA, with the school, or whether you are approaching a, a difficult colleague with the gentle art of gentle confrontation, Um, Have you heard this? Conventional wisdom says that uh, if you want to persuade anyone, that you first um, praise them, first agree with them on something, then give them uh, the correction as you see it, and then, as the cliche goes, then you praise them at the end, right? So if you've got to tell anybody bad news, you say something nice, you say your truth, and then you say something nice again. (laughs) Kind of like a truth sandwich, I guess. Uh, I wanted to talk tonight about how the the power of what your pro- approach is, is something that you choose. You're not actually a prisoner of it unless you think you're a prisoner of your own thoughts. All right. So we're, we've talked here about this cliche of, of, of honey is actually charm. All right. And the vinegar is uh, uh, ugliness of whatever category. And I'm not saying Pollyanna here. I'm not saying that um, everything is all honey pie, and and um, we don't deal with truths. I'm just saying that, keep in mind that the tone of your voice, it's much like I tell my son, John, if you want these young girls to pay attention to you, to listen to you, your words are going to have to sound more like a song. So just think about the words that you say, your face, your expression, the body language. Just... Is it something that is going to be attractive to others to want to listen more? Because if you shut down the communication because they think all they're going to do is get a face full of vinegar, well, I'm not so sure your pers- powers of persuasion have gone very far, right? Which will lead then to further of your frustration. And then the whole thing is going to go just in a swirl down the toilet. So it's a funny old cliche, but um, worth your time, I think, to consider. Okay. So the next one has a little bit more meat on the bone. Um, These come from wise people, their comments. Uh, I I use them frequently as examples in the workshops. I I don't have any pictures of my kids to share with you, so we'll speak again just about general concepts in your life, whatever age you are, whatever your problems are today, tomorrow. I think they work. Okay, so the first one, you always want to water the flowers, not water the weeds. And I could say that if you're working on um, trying to uh, help your kids stay focused these days with the homework, or um, keep them on their list, or um, uh, listen to someone else's point of view uh, with politics, or social media, or somebody in the neighborhood, or, oh, God forbid, your family. (laughs) Um, it's it's like for me, half the people I love in the world think the opposite of how I do. So, you know, everybody's uh, allowed to have their own opinion. And as Hamilton says, the world is wide enough for us all, for sure, right? I'm a big, big, big fan of Hamilton. If you can, if you don't have the soundtrack, get it. Put it on your Santa Claus list. It's fabulous. Okay so back to water the flowers not water the weeds. So just imagine that uh, you there's there's a weed over there on the side there and something's not going the way you want it to go. Well don't our desires to control things stop looking at the flowers stop paying attention to what we're grateful for stop we get distracted away from the people that are the ways things are going, the kids that are making good choices. And we want to come over here and recognize and make a big old fat deal out about what's not going correctly. And it could be something even as much as I think about this when, when I'm trying to get my son John's attention and if I use his name first and then my voice is harsh because I'm trying to get his attention because he can be lost in la la land, right? With that whole fog of, of learning differences but if if half if more than half the time he hears me say his voice and i've got that edge to it and i'm watering the weeds instead of and he's thinking how come mom never says anything good about me how come half the time i hear my voice from her my name with her voice on it there's trouble so i'm trying to whenever i can ignore the weeds if you if you can't if you're not supposed to water them then you know sometimes you have to just not even look right you neglect the weeds so pay attention to the to the 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 good examples of whatever you have in your life and this is this sounds so simple simplistic and you're going to say yeah sure big deal what are the flowers not the weeds but if you carry it around in your pocket for the day and you realize every time that you're starting to get your temperature up your blood pressure is rising somebody says something and oh man are you ready to correct them you know, that old funny saying, I can't go to bed because somebody's wrong on the internet. Or somebody is in your social periphery and they um, they say something that you know is not what you believe. Can you just smile and let them have their opinion? Is it a fact or is it an opinion? Does it impact your personal safety? Um, does it really matter? So um, are you going to persuade them away from it? So consider that all right um it goes back to that saying you know please give me a god grant me the the courage to change the things that i can the serenity to accept the things i cannot change and the what the wisdom to know the difference i've quoted that now about four times in these podcasts cuz it's such a universal i don't know truth right um so just consider that that whenever you find yourself in the <laughs> in the thick uh, the tall grass, <laughs> look for the flowers, pour a little fertilizer, water the flowers, try to ignore the weeds, and, they'll, and then you'll be able to keep the focus and the, the, the thoughts which lead to the words, which lead to the actions that you want, All right? Um, have you ever turned your head a certain way? And then where does your body go? Your body follows where your head, wherever you look is where your body will eventually go to, right? And like the other example I said is that if you tried to think one way and use different words, like you were going to be a spy, a secret agent spy, so you had to have one set of beliefs and then you had to use the opposite and spy and lie and bluff and all that play in poker kind of thing. Are you good at that? I would make a lousy spy. I just hate that stuff. (laughs) All right. So, okay. Now let's move down to the second half of the page on the bottom there where it says, as another approach, again, to helping to let you choose how your approach works, what's the trajectory of it? Do you have a plan? Do you just kind of stumble into interactions with people or do you kind of stay back for a little bit, figure out, okay, what would be your approach and then go into it with the respect of having heard them out first. All right. A lot of us just knee-jerk jump in and spill our guts, and then we realize, wow, we didn't really get the full facts. Um, Something happened the other day with with myself making a snap judgment about my kid. I think I told you this in the last one where I was wrong. And the one about the guitar and throwing it on the ground, right? (laughs) Which led me then to apologizing three times, him laughing at me and me realizing that I, man, I caused that whole forest fire, um, that whole patch of weeds, 40 acres of weeds um, on my own wrong uh, knee-jerk reaction. Okay. So first you name it, then you put the limit on it. All right, and when I use this as an example, I like say I reach off to my right hand side and I say, "Okay, first you name it," and because then you're looking at me and I'm trying to do left to right time flow, like a flow chart thing. So first you want to name it. You you and for example, I would use the appropriate language, even if I'm talking to a child. John, that's called stemming, and you can do that in your room. I don't say never do it. I don't freak out about stop or prohibiting or anything like that. I just help him understand this is the nomenclature. This is the vocabulary. This is what the world's going to call it. And then where do you, where will the limit be? Where's the boundary? Let's have a plan. Let's understand where you can do it. And then that means basically every place else is no. And it's a kind of a gentle redirect, right? So um, here's another one, you guys. I, I know I've used this one before with you. That's called playing with yourself, John. <laughs> and you can do that in your room, right? With apologies to all you men out there. Um, so just consider that as a as an easy, quick, again, put this one in your other pocket. So one pocket, you got water the flowers, not the weeds, in any circumstance. And in the other pocket, you got this little one-liner that when, when something needs to happen, to have a plan, first you name what it is, and then you put your boundary on it. And then we all have the same plan. we all understand it. We've had mutual respect and courtesy. It's a family plan. If it happens, nobody's going to freak out or get upset. We just we know what the what the plan will be. As an example in um, uh, classroom management for all of you of you educators out there, your first week of each new academic year is where you set up the boundaries. and then you can um, you can uh, ease up if you need to. But it's really hard to clamp down after you've started off with no boundaries. And let's say for all of you that are um, working in business relationships, it's, again, it's a straightforward, no blaming, um, very uh, um, easy to understand, easy to share, lack of um, volcanic uh, reactions from someone else. If you just, this is what we name it, this is what we call it, This is our definition, and this is where the boundary for it is, right? Uh, So, see how that works for you. All right. So let's go on to the, the third slide, it's a green one, and I'll read it to you. It says, children have this amazing way of becoming exactly who we tell them they are. And let's say anybody, adults, people, have this amazing way of becoming exactly who we tell them that they are. If we tell them that they are strong, they become strong. If we tell them they are kind, they become kind. If we tell them they are capable, oh yeah, they become capable. So speak life to your friends, to your kids, to your colleagues, to your relationships, and that they will have what it takes to tackle their own. So we're building independence, right? To tackle their own life one day. This came out in today's sermon at church, is that um, the time in history that we are right now, it's a hard time. And he told a story, the pastor told a story about how it's, it's easy until it's your time. And so that's kind of what that last sentence there is, is that each person has to figure out how they rescue themselves and so for you as you are approaching any particular situation let's say it's causing you to sweat on the inside or you're delaying or you're stalling because you really don't want to have to say that truth to someone or you don't want to face the reality of something about yourself you are in denial and that's not so bad right now but you're stalling and you know you're stalling and your guts telling you okay so we call that codependent and i'm speaking to the choir here i'm i'm a recovering codependent myself Uh, There's a great book, great book on uh, recovering. um, It's called Facing Codependency, written by Pia, P-I-A, Melody, M-E-L-L-O-D-Y. Awesome, simple to understand book. Um, it, It talks about that for any age of person in basically any walk of life, whatever your category is. And I think it's a universal approach that a rising tide lifts all boats. We rise to the expectations that the people have around us. We rise to what we think we can do. Right? If 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 my head tells my mouth that I'm tired or I can't or I'm fearful or I'm going to stall around, I'm going to wait. Then you know what's my what's the rest of me going to do? I'm going to find some way to, to stall. So as as your mind as you are in control of your mind, of your thoughts, not so much your emotions, right? Because they can undulate. But if you, and I'm not saying that everybody is Spock. I'm not saying that everybody is um, 100% logic-based, left-brained, because a lot of us are very right-brained. But have faith, have hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Are you at glasses half full, um, optimistic kind of person? And if for some reason you're down, instead of, you know, um, trying to... um, Deny that you're down. Face it, right? So um, Eckhart Tolle is really awesome about this. Carolyn Miss is another wise person that I listen to. Carolyn Miss, M-Y-S-S. And both of these experts talk about to just feel our feelings. We're back to mindful. So if something, and, and we had something in the household today that kept me feeling sad for several Several hours and I still kind of feel it, but there's no way to quite wash it, there's no way to run away from it. And if I'm applying everything that I've learned in um, recovering, helping people recover from grief and trauma, is that you got to get it out, you got to put it on the table, you got to get it out in the sunshine, and you have to be able to realize, okay, what's the worst thing that would happen, and visualize that, Um, approach it, deal with it, Um, don't delay. Don't think that, okay, I'm going to submerge this. What's going to happen if I submerge a bad thought and I, and I just do anything to distract myself instead of feeling that feeling? Is it going to go away? Is it going to make it better for me? No. It's, if I stall on dealing with something and being mindful of it and looking at it and living it and feeling it, I can't get past it. It's just gonna hang there like a Damocles sword over my head. Um, So for my son, John, he's had uh, more than his fair share of losses here recently. His dad passed of cancer. We lost our foreign exchange student far too quickly back to his home country uh, ahead of schedule because of uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus. And we've had some kids that have kind of come to stay with us for a while and we lost one today unexpectedly. So um, it, leaves, it leaves a hole. And then our older child is, uh, John's older brother is still at college. Um, and, and we're doing our best to, you know, do video calls and all that. But, but for a kid that's seventh grade with developmental delay and autism spectrum and all of the things he's been through, it's a lot. And so when he was, if he is sad, then I need to help him feel that. And once we once he's had some time to process it, then I'll suggest, hey, would you like to go for a walk? Or would you like to ride your bike? I, I don't want him to go into a video game and distract. I want him to be able to go out in nature and feel the feeling and maybe work through it, get some exercise, process it, let his brain pull it out, chew through it, and then file it back. Now, if he can talk with me about it, share with me, It's great, but if some of our kids have speech delays or developmental delays, they're assessing of a situation and they're sharing of that to us with their limited or or lesser vocabulary and lesser expressive speech. We're going to have to read their body signals, right? So we might be looking for a lot of other clues, and behavior is sometimes a clue too. So I watched my kid that he was kind of low energy and kind of sad and, what's the right word, lethargic. And then he went outside and then pretty soon he was on his bike and then boom, off he went. Off he went down the road. And I went out there just to watch him and several times he turned and looked over his shoulder to see if I was there watching. So it's that joint attention. It's that somebody's watching me, somebody's listening to my story, somebody's validating me, I'm not alone. Uh, I want to reach out to someone else and not just wallow in my own sad thoughts of not being able to be strong. So I tell him we get to be brave, and it's okay to be sad. You get to be brave and sad at the same time. I think I've told you there's a great movie that we, we particularly like the second half, and that's the new version of Karate Kid. That's got Jackie Chan in it. We fast forward to we get past where the kids all beat each other up, and then get into the training. Uh, it's a great, great, great movie. If you ever need a about an hour and a half is the second, second portion of it. Okay, so let's is that the oh we got one more slide awesome okay so here we go this one is more for you right the the last slide says. Only you can give yourself peace. So what's the premise of what I said tonight? Is the power of our approach, right? The power of your approach, my approach, to whatever thing we're facing, whatever our demons are, whatever our goliaths are, whatever our fears or worries, is that if you... So here's this little green square, right? It says that if you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you're living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. So that comes from some philosophers, and there's a website, and it's a borrowed from someone else, so there's all your intellectual property. Uh, but I thought it was an interesting thing for mindfulness, right? So as you approach something, are you are you kind of being buoyed down? Is there an albatross around your neck because of a preconceived notion, or a, the last time you encountered this kind of thing, and it went a certain way, and you're going, ah, oh, dang it, we're just going to repeat history here. If you're thinking that, then that's the way you're going to go. But if you could instead just empty your mind of that, like what um, Eckhart Tolle says, he says that we always overthink everything. He said, stop thinking, just be, which is kind of funny because he's a very interesting character. E-C-K-H-A-R-T Eckhart Tolle, T-O-L-L-E. If you get a chance, look him up. He's an anti-type hero. (laughs) He's a rock star but he doesn't look like it or sound like it uh, but he he is a rock star. And so again he it's really it really resonates with me what he says which is you just have to feel it. You don't have to make a lot of big thoughts about it you, but you do have to kind of yeah you have to wade through it you have to feel it and then the feeling will pass because our emotions are all transitions. They're, they're transitory, right? You get a big old shot of adrenaline or someone, you hear a song or somebody says something or you get a chance to eat chocolate and then you have the sugar high and then you have the sugar low. Um, the emotions come and go, but your thoughts are hopefully far more consistent. So if you want to be in the present, mindful, If you want to be able to own your own flow, did you listen to the podcast about being in the flow? Do you own yours, right? And then to be aware of your personal boundaries, whatever they are. So if my personal boundaries with a situation at work or my personal boundaries, first of all, am I aware of my boundaries? Can I set them? Can I communicate them? Can I hold to them? My boundaries at home, um, boundaries with your kids, boundaries with whoever you think is using you, well, I hate to tell you this, but if I let somebody abuse me, use me, I mean, I'm not saying like physical abuse in in a situation like that, but just if I if I if I let a friend boss me around about something, or I pick up a phone call and somebody's going on and on about something, or whatever the the um, uh, the, the the resentment that I have, you know who I need to blame? Well, you know who I you know who's responsible? <laughs> Can the person responsible for this bad feeling Take that or own that responsibility, and then I will be able to be empowered. Can I own the fact that I made a bad choice and that I need to own up to that? I need to change that. And if I need to have a kind of a difficult conversation with someone where I speak the truth, let the chips fall where they may, but I speak my truth, then all right, I won't, I may be a recovering codependent and maybe they won't be happy with me, and maybe I'm going to have to get through a little bit of confrontation, but at least. I'm not being codependent anymore. At least I can tell you my truth and I'm going to feel a lot better. Have you ever carried around a secret as something you needed to say and you just kept not saying it? It's so toxic. Um, You may have fear and you may have reasons that you're waiting. I'm just saying, honestly, look at the approach. Why are you waiting on something? Why are you fearful? Why are you anxious? And if it's because you haven't um empowered yourself yet or it's because your approach is negative or you think you're going to be reliving something that's already happened or you have no faith that you can be brave and strong at the same time i've i'm voting for you i bet you can and um so i hope these these slides give you some ideas Uh, they're straight from my life. So I honestly, I'm not standing here judging anybody. These are concepts I work with all the time in my home, with my kids, in my head, with my friends, in my personal life. Um, I hope they bring you some help, Uh, some pretty universal applications that you could use them with. And uh, I hope they um, might bring a smile to your face. Okay, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.